right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Use Guys in That podcast. We are uh, very delighted to have a fellow podcaster join us for a nice chat. Uh, Nick Ashley, who is the host of the Individualist podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Nick underscore Ashley. Uh, underscore underscore two underscores yeah sorry no that's okay it did look like a longer underscore i'm like i wonder if he knows something that i don't like i'm looking (laughs) (laughs) no the single underscore was taken i had no other option all right fair enough well thank you very much for joining us today thank you very much for having me it's an honor oh wow that's great man it's an honor for us to have you it's it's always great to talk to fellow revolutionaries Uh, i want to (laughs) ask you something um, you have a great website, and I encourage people to check it Thank out. You. It's yeah, theindividualistpodcast.com. And uh, you have, I, I've tried to keep up on our blog, and I've done a, you know, like a C plus job. I'll pass the class, but I'm not going to take waves. No accolades. Um, no accolades whatsoever. You will not be getting any sashes or anything like that on graduation day. Um, but you, on the other hand, uh, I, I, your, your blogs are very introspective. And I wanted to start off with talking about the non-aggression principle, for example. Sure. Um, with, with regard to the non-aggression principle, from your perspective, do you believe that it has limitations? Or do you believe that limitations can be placed yourself? And I'm going to give you an example. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a proponent of the non-aggression principle to a certain extent. And that extent is like where I differ with the community, let's say, is when I'm talking about people like, serious violent crime sexual crime like violating children rapists in general i'm perfectly fine with taking them to a tree and doing certain things to make sure they never do that again i know that a lot of people don't like that they prefer to say well it's better to expel them and i you know i guess maybe i feel strongly about that i want to get your take on that what do you think about that okay well so the non-aggression principle is a general overview of basically it just means don't hurt people don't take their shit uh and don't don't violate people on their property um but if somebody has committed a heinous crime let's i think the easiest example to go with would be murder uh like say say somebody murdered me uh, my wife should be able to decide what happens to that person who murdered me you, you understand what i mean i think that that's a more because the nap is is just the fact that he committed aggression against me doesn't preclude well how do I word this? Uh, I guess the only way for me to answer that is I, yeah, it does have limitations really to answer your question. Well, that's fair enough. There is no right or wrong answer. In my opinion, I really feel that it's up to the individual. I get bothered when you start talking about something like uh, Christopher really hates and I don't like either is dogma. We're like, well, no, you must adhere to this, to the letter. Well, mm. every individual has a different take on something. You know what I mean? If you're okay with letting something go, that's your problem. Exactly. That's your issue, right? But just like you said, that was a great example. If somebody did that to you, then your wife should have the same, like, you know what, this is what I want to do because of this, you know, it's all about proportionality, I guess you could say. That's yeah. a huge thing, consistent proportionality. So I just want to get your take on that. That was, uh, I, I appreciate your point of view. That's uh, a great question, man. You know, there's not a, it gets derided very often and and rightfully so because people do adhere to it in a dogmatic fashion, as opposed to thinking critically and and trying to apply it themselves. I always try to play through a scenario myself before I'm like, well, it has to be rigid. Well, I don't think there are needs, the non-aggression principle itself is rigid in that what you said, don't, don't fuck with me. Don't take my stuff and don't hurt people. It's a pretty basic thing that I think everybody should be able to follow fairly easy. Unfortunately, we don't live in a utopia on, you know, 
despite the fact that we're accused of being utopian all the time. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. It isn't it really everything, everything that they describe uh, the world to be without, uh, if anarchism were implemented is, is a description of the current state. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what, what's wonderful part about it. And that's what Michael Malice thing. always says is, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, I, I don't want to say, come up to come up with a solution to every problem we have right now. Otherwise right now. Can't even <laughs> yeah. Try. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. As, uh, as if the state has a solution for every problem right now. <laughs> I was going to say that any any status is just as utopian because their view is that the solution is the state. And our view is that the solution is not the state. Uh, so I don't see that as utopian. It just it, maybe some things are unrealistic. If you talk to certain anarchists, certain anarcho-communists or anarcho-capitalists, I'm not going to pick on one particular breed. Um, but yeah, certainly some people are utopian in their view and they're not anarchists at all. I agree with that completely. Uh, this is when I ask you about this. So the other day there was something neat on Twitter that I rarely participate in these things, but I, I took a shot at it. So I did a top four figures of who influenced me the most. And it's a, it's a mosaic photograph. And I had Albert Camus, uh, HL Mencken, Murray Rothbard and Sam Konkin were my four. I'd like to know who would your four be and why? I love that stuff. Okay. Uh, it, there's no there's no particular is there like a one two three and four like is it ordered or does it matter oh okay. not ordered at all well the one that is head and shoulders above the rest is probably tom woods um and good that's choice, because yeah he is for him I, the tom woods show is what has brought me to be more libertarian than i've ever been in my life really you know and uh he he captures everything he's a historian but he's also basically an economist um and he's he's also basically like a social theorist. Like he he's he's basically what I call him. He's the Rothbard of our time. Like how I how guys like him and Bob Murphy and, and fellows in that generation look at Rothbard. That's how that's how I look at Tom Woods. So he's he's number one for me for sure. Um, another one. Speaking of Bob Murphy, I would definitely say him. And because I call myself an Austro Libertarian, if I'm talking to somebody, um, that's not really in in the whole anarcho-capitalist or whatever sure. thing but I, I mean i am an ancap functionally i just say austro-libertarian because austrian economics was so foundational in my becoming a really hardcore libertarian because it kind of has the answers for a lot of things that um you know like any economic crisis people are always turning to the government to solve and, and austrian economics shows that you don't need that and in fact that makes it worse and that kind of thing sure. uh, so bob murphy with his work on like criminal justice which is funny because we were talking about that before criminal justice in a private uh in a private property society uh the law and stuff like that he, he's very and his his distillation of mises and manger and bombavik and those old classical austrian economists has been very important to me in my development uh Man, it's so difficult when you're on the spot to think of just two or, you know, I've got two down, but just think of two more. Um, now, do they have to be, do they, can they be people that you know personally? Or do they have to be ideological influences? Oh man, we don't have rules. So you go right ahead and yeah, no, you no like. rules. My dad, my dad, for sure. I mean, he taught me how to be a man and I, I owe everything, you know, being able to put those guitars on the wall, being able to fix my car. Uh, being able to fix the drywall that my dog chewed a hole in, you know, uh, and, and how to be honest and, and have a good relationship with my wife. And I, I, I guess I'll put my mom and dad on that list too. So they will be number three and four. I, I have no, you know, my mom taught me 
great things about what to look for in a woman, not by preaching to me, but by leading by example and having a great relationship with my father. And she taught me very important things, uh, you know, about obviously my dad taught me the physical things about being a man and my mom, it's kind of cliche, but my mom taught me more about to be in touch with my emotions and, and to be able to forgive other people and let go of things and not stress about stuff, you know? So Tom Woods, Bob Murphy, my mom and my dad. I think that it's incredibly kind to, uh, to talk about your parent, like how nice it is to hear that because a lot of people wouldn't even, I didn't throw my parents in there. I mean, I, I didn't, and you did. And I, and I think that it's great. And I, I'm really glad that you had that kind of relationship with your parents that, uh, they had such a strong influence on you. You know, that's, uh, that's a wonderful thing. That's not, that's definitely nothing to shy away from. I think that's pretty awesome. So let me ask you this as a fellow podcaster, what inspired you to start your own podcast? Well, it was either yell to my wife about all these crazy things going through my head uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and tell and talk to my friends who are not interested in economics and talk to them about the, you know, some stuff that was in Hazlitt or Rothbard, or it was get on a podcast and also to frankly, to be able to run in the same circles as people like y'all, you know, as I just had drew Hancock on my show, which was awesome. Uh, you know, and I'm having, Jonathan Newman of the Mises Institute on next week. So just to be able to speak to people like that and to right now is the, or not necessarily right now specifically, but times like this with the coronavirus lockdowns and the government, now they're talking about coming after guns, which was always a thing with Biden. It's never been more important than times like this to be a libertarian. Our voices are needed more than ever uh, in times like this. And I wanted to be a part of that rather than sitting on the sidelines and talking to my coworkers about how crappy the government is, you know? Scream into the void and sometimes it provides. I agree. Yeah, yeah no, really right. it is. Like, I don't know. I, who knows how many podcasts have popped off during this lockdown? Because I know that I went A on but, like Amazon back in uh, March before Brian took off on hiatus and, and uh, fought the COVID <laughs> in New York City for six weeks. Um, I, you couldn't find podcasting microphones on Amazon. Like, you could, oh. like it was like there was an explosion. People were like, I'm going to do a podcast, which I think is great. But I think that's a big reason why we do like, you know, one of the biggest influences was Pete Quinones. And mm -hmm. I think the big reason, time. I mean, huge, because like what you just said, being able to actually talk to people who are experts in the field and learn from them, I think is a tremendous thing, but also getting the message out is incredibly important. I know that it's a huge part of my life and Christopher's life and, and Brian's life. I mean, I guess converts make big zealots uh, out of individuals. And when I became an anarchist, I like dived all the way in like that. What does Michael Malice always say? How did you become an anarchist uh, slowly? And then suddenly something to yeah. that effect. That's kind of what happened. Like I was a libertarian uh, party member in like 2015. And by like 2017, I was like, I, I think we should burn everything to the ground. I think that that's what. Yeah. <laughs> and then meeting fellow uh, uh, like-minded people has been quite an adventure. Um, I want to ask you about this. So you have a very introspective blog. Okay. Thank you. And, um, the uh, ideological development post, the power and influence of music, for example. Can you talk to us about your discovery of backwards and its influence on you? Obviously, you're a musician based on what I'm seeing behind you. For those of you who are not getting onto YouTube to watch the video, uh, Nick has a nice collection of guitars behind him. Or bit shoot. Or bit or bit shoot. We're not allowed to post. Now. It's We're, all caught up now. It Which is, I highly recommend because I'm incredibly handsome. 
<laughs> I can't argue this point. And he's very <laughs> modest, too. <laughs> very modest, good looking, and you should subscribe to both his podcast and ours. Um, but yeah, uh, talk to, if you could talk to us about that and um, the influence that Backwards had on you uh, as an example, as part of that ideological development. Okay, so just to go back a little bit of how I discovered Backwards, it's a very funny story. Because I, you know, I have Spotify and they make you can go on these playlists that's like, oh, music you may like. Uh, and one of the songs that I played was like this weird rap metal, metalcore rap kind of style. It wasn't backwards, but I, I searched. I, I couldn't I didn't remember the name of the band. I didn't remember the name of the song. So I just searched all over all over the place. And for like rap metal, metalcore, top metalcore tracks of it was it was 2018 at the time. Uh, and eventually I discovered backwards and the song self-ownership was like the number one on this list that I had come across. And I was like, Ooh, and I listened to that. And I remember getting chills from the last verse. Uh, if y'all have heard the song, have y'all heard self-ownership? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have and not. No. I have not either. The last verse, he's basically, I mean, you're protesting is ill-advised. Basically saying you're, you're giving power to the government and why are you surprised? And one of the lines in it is it's a contradiction if freedom has to be legalized. Uh, and, and just he it's basically him going on, like getting on a soapbox and preaching libertarian message in that last verse. The whole song is that, but the last verse in particular is like super epic. And I was like, whoa, you know, this is this is sweet. This is awesome. So looking into backwards and discovering the term anarcho-capitalism, I was like, what in the world is that? Uh, and then naturally through looking through uh, or looking up on Google anarcho-capitalism, I discovered Rothbard. And then through the various Google and YouTube searching I was doing, I came across a Tom Woods show and then phew, that was it. Off like a rocket. That's it. Yep. That's fine. I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Eric July fan myself. And it's funny because I'm, I'm a comic book nerd. Um, so I actually discovered Eric July on YouTube first before I ever mm. even heard of his band through his comic book reviews and stuff. And I was like, man, I like this guy's opinions. And then when I found out he was a musician and an anarchist, I'm like, man, this dude's fucking awesome. What if oh, I yeah. told you this man was also all of these other things? Right, right. <laughs> I had no clue for the longest time because I just watched his his comic book reviews and whatnot. But, but yeah, Backwards is pretty awesome too. It's amazing how music has, like, I don't know, man, like I, Chris can talk more about this on the, you know, the influence because he like you as a musician, you know, but you know, just from a consumer's point of view, um, I remember the first time, I think one of the biggest influences on my life was when I heard injustice for all by Metallica, the actual song mm -hmm. where the lyrics are justice is lost. Justice is rape, rape, justice is done or justice is gone. And uh, you know, about pulling strings and, you know, money makes the deal and all this other stuff. And I'm like nine and I have no, I'm still playing with GI Joe's. Like I have no idea what Metallica is talking about, but I can sing along to it. And it's like, yeah, this, this is pretty cool. And then as you get older, you realize like, it's more than just headbanging music. It's more than just getting together and, you know, thrashing around and shit like that. Like there's a message being told here and it's powerful because even though I didn't understand it, 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 it still stuck with me. So now when I listen to the record, I'm like, oh man, like they, they were miles ahead of me. They already knew what the scope, like the story was, what the scoop was. And um, did you have a moment like that, Brian, where, where you listened to something? Was it System of a Down? Oh shit, yeah. Like, I mean, they I don't know if they were the first time, but definitely like, because I, yeah, I grew up listening to those songs when I was in like elementary school. And like, 
I, I don't know. I was really young and it was just like loud music that sounded good. And it was like, oh, like, what's this guy fucking screaming about all the time? And like every one of my friends was just listening to it. And then like it kind of faded away into the background for a while. And then I went to uh, ah, fuck. It used to be called Rock on the Range, but now it's called like Sonic Temple or something. And uh, System was there. And I got to see them perform live and it was like, holy shit. Like <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're trying to build a prison. Like that's exactly what they're trying to do. Um, and then, yeah, but like, there's a ton of other, and it's like even songs I've heard a thousand times lately. It's like, you'll hear like one thing differently and you're like, huh? Like, how did I miss that for so long? Or like, I wonder if this is what they were trying to do or like, maybe this is just something that happened to me, but it's like, I can find a way to rationalize it. So it's like, that was enough anyway. What about you, Christopher? Like, what was it that like that really hit you in the feels uh, music wise? You were like, you know, even to this day, you're like, man, I can look back on that particular track or particular album or something like that. So my pick's going to be like super obscure, but it's like the song that influenced me to play bass. And it's from like a it was actually a local band that I listened to in high school um, called Spare Change Zero Zero. But they were they were from Canton area or whatever where I'm from. And uh the bass player played like this most the most beautiful fucking melody I had ever heard and it was played on a bass guitar and I'm like I'm playing bass guitar like that was awesome so <laughs> that was that was like a moment for me and like from that point on like whenever I listen to music like I'm always like listening to the bass although I am a lyrics guy too um but I come from more of like a like a punk rock background which in some ways is kind of unfortunate because it's like a lot of leftist but <laughs> um like for real like uh but uh but yeah i mean that was that was probably like a, a song that like really like like i heard that melody and like to this day like i still hear it like you know i listen like in my head i hear it all the time because it was just such like a such a beautiful melody on the bass guitar so all right and what an angel i'm gonna give you come on just give me one one thing before we move on please uh the irresponsible hate anthem by marilyn manson Okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Um, before we move, I was going to move on to a different uh, uh, question, but since uh, you brought up anarcho-capitalism, I want to know something. Do you, are you okay with hanging out with anarchists from different, um, I guess, schools? Like on this show, I'm, I'm still trying to atone for all of the terrible things I said about ANCOMs and syndicalists and shit like that, because I realized that we do have like 50% uh, and and obviously I don't have we don't I don't know about the rest of the game I know pretty sh I'm pretty sure that none of us really have adjectives we more identify with being market anarchists and being yeah. anarchists okay um, but they do we do share uh, we're supposed to share anyway a genuine dislike for uh, the state and for authority and coercion even though some people on both the bottom left and the bottom right kind of masquerade like the aesthetics as Chris is always pointing out they're big aesthetics people and mm -hmm. not in practice people. Are there any other schools of anarchism that you, uh, that either you like that you're like, okay, well, this is all right. And somewhere you like, I don't even want to be on, you know, I don't even want to walk on the same side of the sidewalk with you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm living up to my name here, but I, it comes down to the individual really. I, it, it's like, if you're, there are a lot of, like left-wing anarchists who are just so obnoxious that, but there are also some like right-wing market anarchists that are super annoying too. Like it just depends on what their thing is. So if you, like, if you have somebody 
like like Noam Chomsky is one of the best examples I can think of. And what's he an anarcho-syndicalist? I don't know. Yeah, that's right. So his anti-war and his, his, you know, he had kind of, if you're familiar with the cathedral, which y'all probably are like mold bug and the red pill and stuff, Absolutely. he kind of had a version of that, like with manufacturing consent uh, that he had talked about and how the, the news media and everybody, they kind of couch for the government's really horrible foreign policy. So it's fucking whack. Yeah. So, but the thing is, is that that's, that's when he's at his best. And I just ignore the fact that he's so bad on economics. So if I could have a conversation with, I, I would imagine I could have a conversation with Noam Chomsky. I'm probably not smart enough to, but um, you know, but on this, at the, by the same token, there are some, like market anarchists who are on like my side who are, I guess, super culturally conservative, which fine, but you're really, you're annoying. And I'm, I'm, I'm cool with cultural conservatism, but uh, not to the point where I want, you know, essentially uh, a stateless. I don't know if this is, this is kind of an oxymoron, but it seems like some of them want like a stateless theocracy. Ah, okay. You know, you know do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not one of these like, I have a little bit of a neckbeard at the moment, but I'm not one of the neckbeard fedora atheists. And I don't consider myself to be an atheist, but there are some people who take religion and they, the religion is their state. And then some people, the state is a religion, but you know, no, that, that that's really great, man. I, that's, that's a very good thing to point out. And yet we do have annoying people across the spectrum. Like I said, I'm trying to atone for some of the terrible things that, that, that were said on the show. Cause that was a real dick move of me to, throw all these people under the bus without actually having to talk to them i mean there's for example mm -hmm. like i hate to it like it, it's like ashes in my mouth as a recovering marxist where i have to admit that karl marx has a better position on guns than any republican or democrat that's been elected to office with maybe the exception of ron paul or maybe mm -hmm. his kid because you know he, he's he's not he definitely doesn't think that the working class should ever be deprived of arms or ammunition and there's you know and here we have people who advocate for the working class and their advocate uh, their advocacy includes disarming them yeah in the face of state power so I find that to be interesting um, I want to ask you about a topic that we hear a lot about uh, in you know if you pay attention to media or what have you uh, hate so when we hear and we read that quote hate has no place here. I personally believe that it does. Me and too. I do hate, like, for example, I am an, a mortal enemy of the state. I hate the state. Um, we talked about, you know, the certain types of criminals that we can't stand, those who commit violent acts on, on people, you know, as a, a personal attack, you know, a violent sexual attack, murderers, people who coerce others, uh, those type of things I really hate. So I want to ask you, does hate and intolerance of certain things have its place? You're goddamn right it does. Uh, look, there's this thing with these. I don't think they're left libertarians. They're just beltway libertarians that Tom Woods calls the loser brigade who are always preaching. <laughs> they're always crowing about bigotry. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm a bigot. And if you look at the definition of bigot, it's like an obstinate hatred for uh, individuals due to their relationship with a group. I'm a bigot against fucking government workers. I don't give a shit who they are. You know, I'm a bigot against war criminals. I am bigoted. Fuck that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I do hate. I do hate George W. Bush. There's no reason not to hate that guy. Everybody hey, he's on this planet painting beautiful pictures now. What do you <laughs> mean? Like... Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I should forgive him for the for the millions <laughs> of uh, you know all the blood that's on his hands. But right. yeah, I, I agree with you. Hate hate has its place here. That's 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 just nonsense. Uh, I'm glad that. Uh... I'm glad that you see it that way too, man, because when you hear that, it's like the people who are telling you that 
will hate you if you don't agree with them. So, <laughs> right. I, there's no, well, this is what no winning. Oh, I'm a, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh. I, I was just saying whenever the, the same people that are calling for unity are all, are the, I was, I was, I, I wrote a blog post about this, about the, uh, they're, they're the same people that are saying, Oh, I hope all these Texans die of COVID because of the mask after the mask was, uh, mandates got lifted. And I'm like, the, the, the reason what unity, they're not lying. They want unity. They just don't want you in their unity, which means they want you dead or, or, or at least compliant in some, like yeah, Michael Malice already says, yeah, they want you dead, but they'll set up for your submission. So they want unity, but they've already decided on the way that they're going to live. And you're not part of that. I agree. I agree. And the final thing I wanted to ask you, and that doesn't mean that, I mean, obviously the group can go ahead and chime in, but um, I read uh, your blog about, you know, you said anarchism is not extreme. And uh, I do somewhat agree with that. This way I was taking it was that I believed it to be extreme and part of its, uh, its extremist uh, position or point of view, if you will, was very attractive to me, you know, because since the prevailing norms uh, are that voluntary interaction and self-reliance are radical concepts now in society. Anybody that wants to, I'm sure you've seen that meme where it has like Ruby Ridge, where they say they're never going to leave you alone. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been circulating a little bit like self-ownership and self-determination are now radical concepts amongst the hoi polloi. In that respect, I feel like anarchism is a radical ideology because it's complete and total self-reliance and mutual aid. You know, that's something that we also can't forget about, that mutual aid is, is sincerely a huge part of a stateless society. So mm -hmm. why do you feel that it's not extreme? I understand, like, I, like we talked about, it's such, it's, it's almost cliche at this point. We know that over 90% of our interactions daily are on an anarchistic basis, right? It's completely voluntary. But you know what I like about your take is that maybe moving it from the extreme or putting extreme language next to it or grouping it or saying, well, anarchism is extreme, whatever. Maybe making it a little bit less extreme as far as its delivery might be more appealing to people because when they hear that, I know we've talked about this on the show and I'm not sure what your experience is, but anytime you mention word, the word anarchy, mm -hmm. because of 15,000 hours of public education, people already have a preconceived notion of what that is, mm -hmm. which is chaos in the streets. Um, warlords, right? Warlords are in control of everything. And yeah, right? Like that doesn't happen now. Um, and there's just a few corporations that are controlling everything like that doesn't happen now. Um, I want to get your take, like, where did you come up with this? Like, what would be your solution? How do you make it more palatable to say somebody that's on the fence? Let's say you have a, a capital L libertarian, a party guy who or a party, a party gal, whoever, where you're like, I'm going to try to, you know, introduce you to these, I guess, not, ra I mean, radical ideas, but they're not extremist ideas. What would be your approach? Uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess you have a good point that it is radical. And the reason I say extremism, whenever you say anarchy, uh, people have, you know, people like Antifa throwing Molotovs, hitting old women with bats and bike locks and that kind of, I don't know if that was an Antifa guy, but uh, you know, violence uh, and, and, and property destruction and fires and, and bad stuff that people don't like. So that's and part of I think a, a, a good idea. And this is something I do is I say anarchism. I don't say anarchy because anarchism sounds more. It sounds more like an ideology than a state uh, and meaning a state of being. So when you think of anarchy, you think of the state of chaos. Anarchism sounds more like an ideology as in, you know, uh, 
I don't know, socialism or whatever, because sure. it's got an ism. And it's just a weird little thing that I, it's a little trick that I try to play, uh, even though they both mean the same thing. But if I was talking to, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what I would do. Uh, I think that I would kind of stick with my line of, look, man, 99% of our interactions are voluntary. And of those, a very small minority of those interactions, relationships, or transactions have, have a less than neutral outcome. And I always make sure to say it's not, not everything is good, but that doesn't mean everything, that doesn't mean things are always bad or more often bad. They could be neutral to good. And I think that that's, that's the easiest way to make it, like you said, palatable to a, to a normie really. Yeah. I, I think that that's a great approach. Uh, I, you know, the thing that we always talk about on this show is that we always go like my, my personal red pill is always going to be the cops. That's my hmm. favorite route to go because as anybody who has listened to the show before, sorry, guys, we're going to mention it again. We don't like the police. Uh, we're not huge fans of the cops. Um, they shoot 25 dogs a day. And that's usually my introductory. Is it that high? Uh, that's what they're willing there's, to admit. Yeah, that's, to. Those are the numbers they admit to. Like, wow. Written on their website. Yep. Yeah, that's what they're willing to tell us. They so. call it oh puppy God. side. Puppy side. That's correct. I didn't know it was that high. There wow. was what state was it? They just passed a law that said if an officer enters somebody's home and the dog moves or barks, they're like legally allowed to shoot it. And it's like, yeah. like, show me a dog that wouldn't fucking do that. Like, right. Yep. So uh, I think Kentucky, I think it was Kentucky. Y'all may know. Oh, uh, uh, Kentucky. And, and, well, no, uh, I know, I know Kentucky just released it. I don't know if they passed or introduced legislation that uh, insulting a police officer is incriminating. Yeah. That's Kentucky, right? Yep. That was, yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. that was like and last that week is, or something. I, I'm like, okay. That's fucking ridiculous. That's crazy that they would have that law in Kentuckistan because when we, <laughs> when we went to Kentucky um, not that long ago, they, you know, you couldn't see a cop on the highway anywhere. Like, we're, you know, in Ohio, there's cops everywhere. You go down any random street or on Every the highway, night. they're parked on the side of the road, whether it's local, um, mm. you know, state highway patrol or sheriff's department. They're parked, like, trying to get you. But, yeah, yeah. you know, in Kentucky, it's not like that. So that kind of surprises me that they would pass that law. So what's the uh, penalty for this? Like, if you call the co- uh, like, let's say, hey, you know, hey, pig, you know, <laughs> something, you know, hey, you know, uh, fuck face. Uh, hey, Gestapo, SS, Stasi, you know, think of the myriad of wonderful things that you can use to describe these fucking agents of the state. What's the penalty? Like, is it per curse or per accurate description of? They pull out a swear jar. (laughs) I was just getting ready to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Probably depends on what kind of day they've been having up to that point, too. Right. It's either a swear jar, they tase you or they shoot you. Right. I fear for my life. I, well, I, I it's funny. I, I saw the language of what I was reading, at least on Twitter. I didn't delve into this. Um, I'm, a, I'm a headline reactor. I'm not an article reader. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it said something about if the if it's language that the officer feels is directly provoking to him, which I mean, that's, that's kind of right. Fighting words is kind of what they're getting at in a legal sense. And it's like, well, fighting words could be different things for different people. It's so stupid that they even consider, you know, and isn't Rand Paul, isn't he a senator or a representative from Kentucky? He sure mm-hmm. is. So what the, what, what is, yeah, but is I don't, it also, is it the turtle Mitch McConnell also? From that's Kentucky? true. That, okay, yeah, you're it, correct. It, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, Republicans love the police. I, there's just nothing you could do about that. Like Rand is pretty good. He's not as cool as his dad. He, nobody is ever going to be as mm-hmm. cool as his dad. 
like Ron, like Ron Paul was a huge uh, red pill for me when I was younger. And I, I know Christopher and I were fans of him when he was running for president back in 08. Like I didn't realize that it was totally fixed against him. Let's say I was like, oh, maybe Liberty has a chance. No, no, not in the legislative process, not in the electoral process. No, no it's not happening. Um, but the, his son is like a, he's kind of like, you know, a copy of it, like in, in Fight Club, there's a copy of a copy of a copy. Like once you get uh, a copy of, of, of the original, it does lose some of its, um, <laughs> I guess, you know, it, it's it's not as well pixelated, what have you. It's not as good as the original. He's the not, Xerox uh, yeah. started running out of ink. That's right. Exactly. So he's good on some stuff, but uh, he grilled uh, Fauci the other day, the witch doctor. Oh, oh yeah. I, I've watched that. That's great. That was a good one. Wasn't he called it like theater? And you're just like, oh, here we go again with the theater. It's not. Oh, you do that so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, you, uh, you walk around here and you, you you parade around with your two masks, even though you've been inoculated, you can't catch it. And he's like, can I finish talking? Like, you, know, <laughs> you did I, that perfectly. I really, I really dislike him. Once Me too. Again, hate has a place here for comrade Dr. Fauci. I'm not a fan. I'm not yeah. a fan of his two fucking masks. I'm not a fan of his white lab coat. Um, I want to wipe my ass with his lab coat. So he has a nice <laughs> brown streak going down the back of it. You can enjoy the rest of the day. Here's some um, immunity, you bitch. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I was going to say, you should wipe your ass with his outer mask. So that way it's sandwiched between the outer and inner mask. And he has no choice but to breathe it in. Oh this, my God. That's, that's a black belt move. That's a black belt move. And <laughs> I was talking like a white belt. And here you come with the real shit. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. No, no, this was that was a power move, dude. And you're absolutely right. Right. Um, Machiavellian, to say the least. <laughs> really? Yeah. No kidding. I want to ask you this. If you had to pick once again, if you had to pick three guests, your 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 dream lineup, one after another, the three people that you would absolutely love to have on your podcast, who would they be? Oh, OK. Uh one of them's going to be off the wall that y'all probably wouldn't expect, but uh, Tom Woods, Ron Paul, and Tim Lambesis, who was the singer of As I Lay Dying. Uh, now, it's obvious why we want to talk to Tom and, and Ron Paul, but Tim Lambesis, As I Lay Dying, if y'all don't know, is a, is, a, is a metalcore band that I'm a huge fan of. I've been listening to them a lot lately. And the singer, or he's the guy that does the scream vocals, which is the majority of the vocals. So I just call him the lead singer. Mm-hmm. He hired, he was like, he went on a really bad tear in uh, like the, the early 2000 teens um, where he was like abusing a lot of steroids, taking a lot of pills. And he wound up, it all culminated in him hiring a hit on his wife. Cool. And so his, the relationship had turned toxic. And what happened was the guy he actually tried to hire was actually an undercover, an undercover officer. They always are. Uh, yeah. So, but, th- but I mean, so, but the, the band has since, he went to prison for a few years and the band has since gotten back together, released a killer album, an absolutely banger of an album in 2019. And I would just love to talk to him because I have this mental, I have this thing in my head where I'm like, I love this music. He's obviously, you know, done really horrible things. Whoa. And there's, I mean, I don't know if you can really ever atone I'm not really I'm not really a religious person. Like I said earlier, I don't know if you can atone for the sins, so to speak, but he's doing a lot of outreach and, and getting with former convicts and addicts and doing a lot of charity work with them. So and everybody in everybody that was previously involved in his life at that time has forgiven him and accepted them, accepted him back into the life in some capacity. So that would be a guy I would really like to talk to you about that stuff. Excellent. Uh, I think that uh, that's a very interesting story. Yeah, I don't know how you can come back from that. 
and for people to be able to forgive you for something like that and carry on with the relationship i mean that shows a lot of character that's for sure mm -hmm. I, i'm not sure how i react i can't even say i don't know if uh if my wife put out a hit for me i don't even i think i would understand <laughs> <laughs> i'd be like i'm mad but i get it because you get really upset sometimes and <laughs> sometimes i say it's just business <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. Does anybody Bobbity have anything? Boppity boo. Yeah. You hired a guy named Joey Bag of Donuts to come take you out. You know, and I, uh, <laughs> does anybody Joey's have uh, donuts. Joey Donuts for short? In case yeah. Joey, show. just call me Joey Donuts. Yeah. Joey Donuts. Joey used donuts. Uh, <laughs> does anybody have anything else that they would like to uh, talk about before we wrap it up? Um, I was wondering, you mentioned, uh, manufactured consent, but I wondered if there were any other books that are on like your favorite list or that you would recommend to people that are either new to the movement or just ones that are important to you. Uh, number one is economics in one lesson by Henry Hazlitt. That's number one. Uh, and I know it's not a book. It's an essay. Anatomy of the state is a big one by Murray Rothbard front. And I, I put these, I don't know if I put anatomy in the state in my blog post about this, but, uh, I put, uh, economics in one lesson and for a new liberty by Murray Rothbard and um, Thomas Sowell isn't really he's got a libertarian streak uh, he's more of a conservative in the in the best sense but a lot of his writings uh, are very for cultural stuff and racial stuff I think he's the he's the best that I've read and he has a particular book it's a collection of five essays called uh, black rednecks white liberals I would highly recommend that Awesome. Thank yeah, thank you. Uh, does anybody have anything else? No, I don't. Christopher? Uh, yeah, just a softball question here, but are you currently, are you in a band? I am not. No? Oh, okay. Just curious. How long have you been playing? Since I was like 12, so 13 years. Nice. You're, 20, you're 25? Yes, sir. Jesus, I'm getting old. <laughs> oh. all right I'm, I'm not too far behind you jay Damn, um man. jay you're you're in the uh jujitsu uh yes yes i did jujitsu did or do uh did uh when i decided to go back to graduate school mm. uh more than one class at a time so i don't spend the rest of my fucking life in graduate school uh mm -hmm. i had to stop but yes i did roll neat i did for a while too but work never work always gets in the way of that kind of stuff for me I tell Unfortunately. you, what, you know, man, that it's, yeah, I have a great way of talking my, myself out of doing shit. And it's like, if you <laughs> work looking at the clock and it's like, I'd go to the break room and I would change into my, uh, you know, like into my, um, like my rash guard and stuff like that. I'm like, oh man, I got to go do jujitsu now. I'm, I'm, first of all, for any of you who are not familiar, the warm up alone is enough to murder your ass if you're not in shape. And guess what? I'm not in shape. So <laughs> I was dying. Like we'd start with the shrimping out as the warm up. Like you go through the lines, right? And you'd get down and you would shrimp all the way down to the end of the mat, run back, then do it again from your elbow. And then you'd start first on your side, then to your elbow, and then use your hand. And then you would do the like the backwards crab and shit like that. And then do the uh, the backwards like somersault or what have you. And mm -hmm. by the time I got done with the shrimps, I was like, you know something? I think I'm done. You know, like, and by the time it took me so long to get through the lines that they would already be done. Like, oh. I, like I would get to the bear crawl where you'd crawl one, two, three, and then come off to the side and kick your leg out from underneath. Uh -huh. 
and then one, two, three, and you do it again. Like by the time I got there, everybody was already doing laps. So I was like one of like three people that was like the bringing up the rear. And then uh, our coach would come over and he would tap, his name was Shannon. He would tap me. He was like, he's like, that's okay, man. We're going to get started with the, with the lesson today. So you don't have to, <laughs> I'm like, good. Cause I'm about to die. You're going to need a fucking forklift to get me off the mat. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then, you know, the cool thing about it. And um, we have a guest that's going to be coming up who uh, does jujitsu currently. Uh, he, um, one of the great things that I, I, I can't recommend it enough, especially to people who are a little bit smaller and especially for women mm-hmm. in the first five lessons we learned, you know, when you're a kid and you think you're, you're in a fist fight, let's say, and you fall down and you're on your back, you think that that's it. The fight is over, right? Someone's going to start kicking you or beating the shit out of you, get on top of you. Or like, if you see in the UFC, for example, when somebody gets a, you know, the mount where they can mm-hmm. control you from the hips. The coolest thing ever is that when they put you in the guard, which is when you're on your back and you lock your, your left and right leg around the waist of your opponent and keep them there and then begin to learn how to sweep and remove them. But all, for people to learn that, especially for I'm telling you, ladies, mm-hmm. I can't recommend it enough because just the white belt stuff, learning the triangle, the Kimura, learning arm bars, but learning how to get out from underneath to frame someone's thigh, push out from underneath them and to be able to control their movement is so critical to your self-defense. And and quite frankly, it could save your life. And that's just within the first four weeks of taking classes. So imagine these blue belts, like a a legit blue belt will, will fucking kill you let alone somebody who has a purple belt or a brown belt or a black <laughs> belt. So I can't recommend it. Even if you're not going to do it for like, you want to do tournaments and shit like that. First of all, you're burning 600 calories while you're out there just in a fundamentals lesson for an hour. Okay. So your lunch or whatever you had, that's gone. Either you threw it up or you burned <laughs> it off. It doesn't matter. It's out of here. Um, and secondly, the skills that you will have, that if you do end up falling down on your back, that you are that you are not out of the fight, that you can control what's happening, you could defend yourself. And for you know, I, I can't I can't stress it enough, man. If you combine that with a little bit of striking skill, I think that you're pretty good. I mean, you should mm-hmm. avoid street fighting anyway. Like I said, I'm going to be 41 in a couple of days. Um, before I went into boating accident, uh, I carried a gun everywhere just in case I ran into some fucking crazy killer that wanted to put pretzel me up on the street. First, I tried to leave. Then if I couldn't, then I would solve the problem in another, in another method. But um, it's really good for your mind because it's a um, it's almost like a puzzle so th- or a flow chart, let's say. That's the way I always like to explain it. So you start from point A and it's like, is this available? No. Well, then move to this. Well, is this available? Can you do this? Yes. Well, then move to this. It's a thinking person's martial art. You have to figure out this puzzle. Now, of course, you're breathing heavily. And a lot of times I would tap to exhaustion because I was exhausted and could <laughs> no longer carry on. I highly recommend it for everybody. There was, um, you get kind of a high when you're done. Like it's, it's, I don't, I've, I've never gotten runners high because I don't run. So I don't know anything about that, but not what worth I, it. No. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Brian. I, I, I will keep, I'm going to make that note. It's not worth it. And I'm not going to bother. I've had to run so much and I don't think I've ever had the high from it. I was just like no. happy to be done, <laughs> but I recommend it, man. Like it's, um, it, it's a phenomenal martial art. I think it's the best martial art. 
uh, and it's a thinking person's martial arts. So there you go. There's a free pitch for uh, jujitsu. They're not a sponsor of the show, so they're not going to get named. So I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to Google that. Uh, could you please give us your plugs before oh, we I uh, just had one oh, question. How sorry. far did you make it in jujitsu? Were you just still white belt or no belt or how did, how did, far did you make it? Was that me or for him? Uh, that was for you. Oh, okay. Uh, I got a couple stripes on my white belt before life got in the way. Yeah. That, that's still pretty fucking good. They don't hand those out. They don't hand out stripes. So there's no, that's nothing. How long did you do it for? Total between all the gaps in it, probably like nine months. That's pretty good. Yeah. To get that, to get at least a stripe in nine months is pretty, is pretty impressive. So you shouldn't uh, hang your head on that one. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, would you please give us all of your plugs where people can find you, your podcast, all of that good stuff and how to contact you. Uh, yes, sir. That's Nick underscore underscore Ashley on Twitter. Uh, I'm very active and my DMs are open. So anybody who's interested in getting on the show, the Individualist Podcast, you can hit me up on Twitter uh, like Mr. J here did. Uh, on my website, individualistpodcast.com, there's a contact uh, tab that you can go and check in. Uh, my email is there. Uh, I mean, it's Nick D. Ashley, N-I-C-K-D-A-S-H-L-E-Y at Outlook.com. That's the email that uh, actually somebody just reached out to me the other day uh, to be on, on th via that. Everybody else has been Twitter. Uh, but individualistpodcast.com, um, individualistpodcast on anchor.fm, and Nick underscore underscore Ashley. Working on getting the single underscore, but it probably won't happen. Uh, fantastic, man. Uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted a special shout out to um, our uh, sponsor, our official sponsor of these guys in that podcast, so it'll be Akron Apothecary, also known on the show as Todd the Gays, very gay soap. He's a gay fellow, so we can say that. We have permission <laughs> to say that. Um, he's got a soap for everybody's ass. It doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, LGBTQ+, regular, unregular, leaded, unleaded. If you got an ass, he's got soap for that ass. Things like almond and cocoa butter, peppermint poppy seed, orange and shea butter and sea salt, sweet tobacco, cocoa butter, and many others, including plain old soap that doesn't have any kind of smell with it. Uh, uh, excuse me, Brian here. <laughs> I almost called him Randy again. Brian just washed his ass today. Yeah, first time. No. Gaze, gay soap. <laughs> how did, how did your soap ass feel, ass. pal? My ass, ass feels, my ass feels very clean. Uh, I use the uh, sweet tobacco. I have, I think I have like one of each of the kinds that you listed off. I'll uh, have to cycle them out and try them, but yeah, sweet tobacco, very good. I can still smell it on my on my skin. It's very very pleasant. Uh, I feel it lathers up nice. I feel very moisturized. It doesn't. I don't feel dried out at all or anything. Like sometimes soap does that to you. So yeah, good shit, Todd. Thank you. So there you don't go. Don't let don't let Alex Jones hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might not be. Uh, the, the soap and soap is going to be turning the frogs gay. Now. <laughs> Turning the frogs game. Man. Oh man, that's fantastic. Well, Brian, thank you for your review. Make oh, sure yeah. all of you guys that like to talk about supporting a small business. This is a small business. This is a gay business. It's a gay business for everybody. Please support our friend Todd and his excellent soap. Don't eat the soap. You can drop the soap. You can do whatever you want. Just don't consume it. It's honestly nice. like it looks like something that you could eat almost. Like, don't it, do it's it. Very well packaged. Like don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, it looks and smells delicious, but don't <laughs> fall for that trap. Don't fall. taste is like fifty percent smell anyway. So like you know, like it. <laughs> 
so yeah, so wash the outside of your body, not the inside, because that's going to mm-hmm. be really disastrous. You're going to need more soap to clean yourself when you're done with that one. <laughs> so I'd like to thank our guest. Please follow him on Twitter. Check out the podcast. Check out the blog, man. Not too many people blog anymore. These are very introspective blogs that uh, Nick writes. They're excellent. I really enjoyed them. It was a real pleasure and honor to have you on our show. You're welcome back anytime. And um, please, everybody, go follow him. Check him out. And uh, support your own people, man. The community needs all of us to be together. And uh, please give him a follow and uh, check out the podcast, the blog, all that good stuff. Nick, once again, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Outstanding. Okay, guys, we're going to be back really soon. Uh, stay well, stay focused, and stay off the water if you've got guns so you can hand to Joe fucking Biden. Bye. 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 Peace.